0: everyone welcome back to another episode of locked on gators your daily home for florida gators coverage part of the locked on podcast network i'm your host zach goodall make sure to throw me a follow on twitter at zach underscore goodall as well as my co-host demetrius harvey you can find him at demetrius 82 most importantly make sure to go and follow at locked on gators and you will never miss an episode of our show demetrius say what's up to the people
1: What's up, everyone? I hope you enjoyed, you know, Monday's episode of the Locked On Gators podcast. I know we weren't available for Tuesday's episode, but we're back at it on Wednesday, and we're here to talk some Florida-Tennessee. Obviously, this is a pivotal matchup. Gators are going to be able to lock up the SEC East, which should be exciting to you guys. It hasn't happened since 2016 when they sort of backed into it. No one expected them to win against Alabama. They didn't this year. Who knows? So this is going to be a great game to watch, a great game to cover, a great game for everybody to finally get to that point where you're in. Now prove it.
0: Yeah, we're going to be talking a lot about this upcoming game throughout today's episode. It is going to be our first bit of previewing this Tennessee team. We've got quotes from the entire available team of Gators this week, uh, what they think about Tennessee. And, of course, we're going to get into their offense specifically We don't think Florida's offense is ever going to go a full game with struggling. Uh, We'll talk about Tennessee's defense throughout the week, but given Florida's struggles uh, as of late, we figure we're going to go all in on Tennessee's offense for this show. We'll be breaking down their quarterback, Jarrett Garantano, in our second segment. Uh, Florida fans know a lot about him. He seems to have just gotten worse. He's a fifth-year senior. You'd think he'd be better, but he's just not playing up to that level, so we're going to talk about him later. We're also going to talk about Eric Gray and a very physical offensive line for Tennessee, how their rushing game could pose a threat against Florida. But first, we want to start off about this rivalry, or the lack thereof at this point. Uh, Florida's got a three-game winning streak right now. Uh, they won 15 of the last 16. Uh, besides the one loss, I guess four years ago, the last time Florida lost to Tennessee was when Ron Zook, was still the head coach back in 2004, the year before Urban Meyer showed up. So it's just not been the same thing anymore. I mean, it, besides the last loss, right after that was the heave to cleave, and it's just been going Florida's way ever since. We think it's going to be the same way this Saturday.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's funny because, you know, going into this year, I kept hearing everything about how Tennessee is going to be great, and I know we talked about that a little bit but mainly I saw a lot of bickering between Florida fans and Tennessee fans. So, you know, I've, I've seen the Tennessee games from a while ago and and obviously the heave to cleave. I've, I saw that game. I saw, I'm pretty sure I remember when Tennessee did defeat Florida because one of my friends was very upset that day. But other than that, now that I think about it, yeah, Florida has always beaten Tennessee. So I don't really understand the rivalry part of it. And, I guess that's kind of what we got going into this game. I know that it's supposed to be a rivalry, but uh, this Tennessee team was 8 and 5 last year and now they're 2 and 5. It doesn't look like they're going to get to uh, 500 this season, 5 and 5 because they're probably going to lose to the Gators. So, it's going to be yet another another season where Tennessee fails to reach expectations and I think that over time we might see some recruits leave, but uh, getting away from that when we talk about the, the rivalry, James Houston kind of feels the same way, that there isn't really much one. He said on Monday, I believe it was, I personally never played a Tennessee team that was too competitive against us. And it's true. I, I don't remember the exact score differential, but it was something like 100-something and something to 40-something in terms of the the games that he would have been involved in or been here for. And there's not really much to say about that because, you know, Florida handled their business and they, and it is what it is. You know, he kept going. And he said, I mean, it's Tennessee, Florida. It's a rivalry game. It's got history. We've got beef. So, I mean, it's going to be an interesting game. I always love going to Rocky Top. It'll be super loud. It would usually be super loud and rocking, but we'll see how it's look, going to look on Saturday. That's another thing. There's not going to be many Tennessee fans there at all. I don't know their protocols, if they can even have fans, but it's just going to be different.
0: Well, here's the thing. I mean, people came into the season hyped up, thinking they'd play well because they finished eight and three last year. Uh, after uh, they, they had a final record of eight and five, but they lost their first two games: the first to Georgia State, the second in overtime to BYU. Now BYU is a different program this year, but it wasn't the same last year. They were Tennessee was the joke of the entire nation through the first two weeks last year, and I get they ended well, but like. I guess people chose to forget that those two losses happened. Uh, it, it was hard. They had some recruiting momentum, for sure. Uh, they had a huge, huge start to their 2021 class with Kamar in and Terrence Lewis uh, in the early summer this year. So people probably just bought into that and thought that everything was going their way, but they just seemed very nearsighted. And no one was really paying attention to the lack of actual improvement across the team and probably buying into 2021 recruiting hype without realizing that those 2021 recruits aren't on the field. And and in return, here we are. I mean, Tennessee did come out. They flipped the script from a year ago. They lost to two terrible teams at the start of the last year, and they beat two terrible teams to start this year, Uh, beating South Carolina by four points in the first game of the season, handily defeating Missouri in their next game. But... It really has been downhill from there. They they faced a number one Alabama that smacked them. They faced a number eight Georgia that smacked them before Georgia was number eight. I should add that's what this schedule is saying right here in front of me. Uh, they've also lost thirty four to seven to Kentucky. They lost twenty four to thirteen to Arkansas. They lost to Auburn um, in their last game thirty to seventeen. They seem to be unable to hang with the good teams and even the average teams of the conference. So I'm with you. I don't understand why. And I know for, I guess Florida fans probably don't view it as that much of a rivalry either, besides their annual trash talking of Tennessee. But I hope no one actually thinks this is a rivalry at this point. And I hope no one thinks that this is going to be much of a game because I guess we've said it the past two weeks, these games shouldn't be games and they end up being games, but No, I'm at the point where even if Florida gets off to a slow start, you know, it's going to, this isn't going to be much.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, like we we can kind of, we can say that the Kentucky game was a game or the Vanderbilt game was a game, but they weren't really games. I mean, by the end of it, you knew that Florida was going to handedly beat both teams. It wasn't going to be anything special. Sure. In the first halves of both of those games, you were thinking, Oh, maybe there's something here, but uh it was mainly based off of maybe a couple of drives by the other team and by the, by the time that the other team got the ball again it didn't really matter you know the Gators defense stepped it up the Gators offense stepped it up i think that's going to be a point of emphasis this week obviously the Gators offense was uh, though probably the least efficient it has been uh, all season last year last week against Kentucky but we kind of knew that going in against the number 1 pass defense in the SEC it, it, they they looked pretty good they were able to limit them on their explosive plays they were able to make sure that they weren't getting To over the top of their defense which is kind of what Florida likes to do obviously so going into this week it's going to be more of the same in terms of the 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 level of competition I guess you could say from over the past couple weeks which is good for Florida but like like we said it's not going to be like a rivalry game where you're expecting hard hitting and very close kind of like a, a Florida Georgia game that's game that game is always going to be a rivalry because there's going to be team you never know georgia could have won this year florida could have won last year it it didn't you you never really knew going in but this game you kind of really know uh for the most part i guess you should say that florida's going to handily defeat them but uh, it's going to get cold up there isn't it zach
0: yeah you're right this game it's a 330 kick we've got a high of i believe 47 for the game it's not like any game that Florida's faced this year. However, last year, we do know of one, and it was the Missouri game. It was 43 in Columbia, Missouri for that game on November 16th. And Florida came out. They won the game 23-6. It was not a high-scoring game. In fact, it was their lowest-scoring win of the year, their lowest-scoring game in total being 17 against Georgia. And they in this one, Florida only scored six first at points. Uh, I'm sure we're going to talk about it more uh, on Friday's episode 2. I would think Florida's going to want to get off to a quick start. We've seen them struggle offensively getting off to quick starts in the past two weeks. They're going to want to get points on the board quickly. As I've said for weeks now, I'd love it if they actually did it when I say that. But in in this case, because you come out, you handle business as you should against Tennessee, and then you run out the clock in the second half because you get out of there. Uh, I would not want to keep playing in 47-degree weather if I was Florida. It's just not what you're used to. I am running Damian Pierce and company into the ground in the second half and I'm getting out of there quickly.
1: Yeah, we've we've rarely seen them run Damian Pierce into the ground. That'd actually be fantastic to see him get more than I, I feel as though his high of carries can't be above thirteen this season. I, I wouldn't doubt if I'm wrong or I mean I wouldn't doubt if I'm it's right. right around I mean, there. It's it's gotta be. I, I just I just cannot see any any game where they gave him more than twelve carries or thirteen carries a game. I would love to see him get 20. That would be interesting. I don't know. It's just something that I've been thinking about. But you're right, yeah, it's going to be cold. Dan Mullen hates the cold. He's he's already said that if it gets to the 40s, he's bundling up. He's going to be wearing his gloves. He's going to be wearing his jacket. People will be laughing at him, but you know what? Dan's going to be warm, and you know, I, I applaud him for that. I know it's been a little bit colder in Florida recently, which was actually good. I bet you they practice outside this week in Gainesville just to get a little used to it because it got to around, I think, 40s and 50s at least i know yeah, it did been, in jacksonville that's around
0: correct. Here. It, it's been a little bit chilly around here
1: yeah so i mean they might be a little bit used to it now and i don't think it's gonna play too much of a, a an emphasis or too, too much of a factor into this game but at, at the same time it is good you know you pointed out the missouri game last year was in the 40s and look what happened they were slow uh, they pro- the cold probably did affect them a little bit so i i guess we're gonna see uh there is one story that brian johnson told about dan Moon. Uh, It was in 4 Brian Johnson was a freshman. Alex Smith was playing, and Dan Mullen's obviously the head coach in Houston. And Dan was calling the plays. He was giving signals to Alex Smith, but he had these huge gloves on. So Alex was sitting over and looking over on the sideline. He's like, I can't see. I don't know what you're signaling. So he goes over to the coach. He goes over to Dan Mullen. He's like, can you just take the gloves off? And Dan said no. So, so it just goes to show how much he hates the cold. I guess we're going to see if Kyle Trask is squinting over on the sideline on on Saturday just to uh, get a little bit of a glimpse of a signal, and maybe Dan will take off the glove this week.
0: Dan is a fake Northerner. That, that's all there is to it.
1: He's from New Hampshire, man. <laughs> this shouldn't be a – I mean, I know he's spent a lot of his time in the South now, but –
0: yeah, it shouldn't be a thing now. It should be in his blood. I mean, like, I don't love yeah. the cold, but I'm still able to deal with it with my Pittsburgh blood, and I moved when I was seven years old, so Dan, Dan right. can do it. When we, come back, to... the, uh, when we come back from this quick break, we're going to be talking about Tennessee's quarterback, Jarrett Garantano. It's been a down year for him. It's not been a great career, uh, but he certainly played better ball than he is right now.
1: Do you guys ever feel as though you're always on? Don't you want just a moment to relax and chill? It's been difficult this year, especially with everything going on, social issues, and the expectations to be on 24-7 with families and friends. Sometimes you need a breather, and especially with the Gators this season, it can be stressful. That's why Coors Light is the perfect cold one to open up. Saturdays are a time to chill, watching Florida football and relaxing with Coors Light that's cold-loggered cold filtered, and cold packaged, literally made to chill. I personally love the refreshing taste. It makes me chill out, relax a little bit, and enjoy the day. I know one thing, Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you hit that reset button, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in a new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly with Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado.
0: Jared Garrett-Tano, he is going to... Assuming he's not the quarterback that's affected by the COVID contact tracing and everything going on at Tennessee right now, which we're still keeping an eye on throughout the week. Assuming he is not the quarterback that is currently not able to be with the team, he will be most likely starting against Florida. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt has said he's still the guy that gives them the best chance to win games. But he's not playing like it. He is, in fact... At a career low in yards per attempt and adjusted yards per attempt as a fourth-year starter in the SEC, a fifth-year player. Um, he's in seven games this year, he's completed 62% of his passage, which is the second-best mark of his career. However, only for 1,112 yards, six touchdowns, four interceptions, less than a touchdown per game. That is down drastically from, even though it wasn't a good mark last year, but one3 per game last year to now being below one. He's regressed. They have a good offensive line. They have a good running back in Eric Gray. It's not a good team. It's not a good offense. But you'd figure a redshirt senior, familiarity with the coach, it's not some brand-new system to him or anything, and he's been their guy for a while. You would figure he would be playing better ball than this, and if not, that they would be moving on to different options. But just hasn't been the case.
1: Alas. They're not doing it. And uh, perhaps to the person that they need to move on from is the head coach that's not playing different players at quarterback. Because for me, it, you're seeing a guy who's, who's thrown six touchdowns this season. I mean, Kyle Trask has done that, I believe, twice this year. And I'm not trying to compare them to Florida as if they should be performing at that level. But this is, again, one of these teams where, you know, last week, same thing. You see Terry Wilson only throwing six touchdowns. <laughs> now you see this guy only throwing six touchdowns. It just—I don't know. I every time I see this, it kind of stuns me. And I get that they're in the SEC, and I get that it's a highly competitive conference this year. But we've seen the numbers that teams have been putting up against these defenses. It's not the exact same as it was in the past. So, I mean, two and five. Your quarterback's not playing well. He's a redshirt senior. He's not going to get any better. Maybe he's going to take the eligibility thing this year and go for a six year. I'm, I'm not trying to trash. I the kid. I feel like but,
0: Tennessee would certainly hope not.
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm not trying to trash the kid, but I'm just saying you would think that at this point you would have found that somebody else. You know, you have five years to find another quarterback. Usually, you got a guy developing. Look at Florida; they have Emory Jones waiting in the wing. He's going into his fourth year next year. You know, as going to be a redshirt junior. It's one of those things where you need to have a guy. That's able to come in. If Kyle Trask was not good this year, do you think Dan Mullen's just going to keep playing him? No, right. he's going to he's going he's going to put in Emory and see what he's got. And if Emory's not good, he's going to put in the, the freshman. I, I don't know. Uh, James Houston talked talked about him this week, and he kind of just said he's a great thrower, but they're going to be focusing on the run. I mean, that should tell you everything.
0: <laughs> yeah, didn't he call him like a respectable quarterback?
1: Uh, he. he he, he said he's a great thrower. I think that the Diabate said he's a respectable quarterback. I think That's that right. Diabate was the more politically correct out of the three.
0: Yeah, and Kyrie yeah, Elam was speaking on him, too. I had actually asked him. I said, you, I was relatively straight up. I said he's not playing efficient football compared to years past. He's certainly not playing as well as he has before. Uh, how do you feel you could take advantage of that come, fresh off a game with three interceptions? And even Kyrie was like, yeah, it's less on him, and – more on us to just keep mm-hmm. improving. Uh, we had three interceptions last week. Maybe we can try to get some more or more turnovers in general. Uh, so I think that's really our goal going into this game. It should be. Now, if there's one thing Garantano isn't doing, it's not like he's throwing a ton of interceptions, but
1: mm-hmm.
0: with his struggles, this a statement pass, a statement game for the pass defense two weeks in a row even if it's not necessarily forcing a bunch of turnovers, but just doing what they're supposed to do, making a bad quarterback look bad. That's
1: Mm
0: -hmm. got to feel a little bit better if Florida's able to do that, right?
1: Yeah, no, they should. And the thing is they don't have to do it just like they did against Kentucky where Kentucky threw only 65 yards. That's kind of an abnormality. I don't think you'll see that very often. We
0: should have anticipated that considering how – terrible of a passing team kentucky was as a whole entering the game
1: yeah yeah it it it, it, it kind of should have been that way but uh, i think it was still a little bit more impressive by the gators defense just i, I think there were six three and outs at one point in that second half it, it, it was that bad for kentucky and that good for the gators defense and if they can play to that level even for three quarters against tennessee i could see the same thing happening where all of a sudden you're looking at the stats and you're like oh well they've only given up 20 yards this quarter it could be that way because at some points teams will have to pass against the gators because guess what the gators are going to be the team that's scoring almost every drive i know that they didn't do it last week but that's the standard that's the typical uh, gators offense and that's kind of how they've been so it's going to be interesting i think that the the florida wants to force them to pass because it's just it just hasn't been good
0: no, it's not been good. Uh, but one thing that they have been able to do a good job with is running the ball. Eric Gray, uh, he's come in, and he's been a flashy player, a little bit more consistent this year compared to last year, although he was flashy last year, uh, taking the field for the first time. When we come back, we're going to be talking about him, the Tennessee's physical offensive line, as Todd Grantham like to put it, and perhaps the threat that... The volunteers do pose to the Gators after these messages. All right, Demetrius, if Tennessee is going to pose a threat against Florida this upcoming weekend, at least offensively, it is going to be on the ground. Uh, They are led by a a very good offensive line. We know two names specifically that stand out in Trey Smith and Cade Mays. Mays being the transfer from Georgia uh, who was granted immediate eligibility to play this year. Um, with that, they've seen the running game uh, with Eric Gray uh, do pretty well. He's got 651 yards and four touchdowns this year, his sophomore season. Last year, he was pretty flashy. Uh, he had 539 yards and four touchdowns. However, three of those scores and like half of those yards came against Vanderbilt. Against Florida, he only had like six carries for 27 yards. I would anticipate especially given the struggles that Garantano uh, or Tano has had this year, they will try and feed gray, the ball early and often. I'm sure they'll try and replicate the rushing game success that Kentucky had in the first half against Florida, especially in the cold and especially in their own Mm -hmm. environment. Maybe that could be what gives them some sort of advantage.
1: Yeah, no, that you're exactly right. That would be what, gives Tennessee the advantage I believe that going into this game if you're the Tennessee volunteers your game plan is going to be to control the football that means to run the run the ball you want to get those four yards four yards two yards just to get the first down you want to get those long drives where the Gators offense is on the field for only around six minutes and 37 seconds like they were last week against Tennessee I mean against Kentucky in the first half you want that to, to continue to happen you want your defense to be able to step up to the plate and get a couple of stops. I think that if Tennessee really wants to win this game, it's going to be on the ground. And I think Florida knows that they know that they need to stop this guy. They need to stop Eric gray. He's their best player on offense right now uh, for good reason. You know, he's a dynamic running back and we've seen dynamic running backs in Tennessee. They might not have always utilized them, but they're always been, they've always been there. Alvin Kamara is obviously the most recent one to really come out and do something in the NFL uh, last last couple years I think it was a few years ago they had a guy named John Kelly or Josh Kelly one of those names uh he was he was a pretty dynamic guy similar build to K- Kamara and I think that this guy Eric Gray kind of presents the similar you know shiftiness he can get out of in and out of his breaks pretty fast I think that the gators are going to need to be on their Ps and Qs against this uh, Tennessee especially the, this offensive line that you were talking about with Kay Mays and and Trey Smith Both of those guys are interior players, so another game for Kyrie Campbell, Zach Carter, TJ Slayton, all of those guys are going to have to step up to the plate. Even Javon Dexter, who's been getting a lot more snaps recently, he's going to have to step it up. Uh, This is going to be an interesting game to see because I think that if there's one thing that Porta has struggled with, especially early, it's stopping the run and making sure that they get off the field early if Tennessee can get off to a little bit of a good start, they can score on a couple of their drives and stop the Gators on a couple of their drives. It'll at least be a competitive game for a half.
0: Yes, certainly. And while Garantano has struggled, Gray's been able to pitch in a bit in the receiving and passing the game as well. He, he's nearly doubled his receiving production from 13 receptions to 22 from 115 yards to 199 in seven games compared to 13 from a year ago. So he can also serve as a check down option. If they're trying to go with a quick passing game, catch Florida off guard, or just try and run this game through gray, you'd figure is going to be the way they do it. It'll make that gap integrity so important, as they've talked about throughout the year, the gap control. And I feel like the first two drives of the game last week for Florida defensively, they had it. Then they lost it for two drives where Kentucky was able to do it, and then they got it right back. So you do want to see that completeness. You want to see guys like TJ Slayton continue to make impressive plays. Uh, They happen every once in a while. Uh, You feel like they happen more and more as the year goes on. Slayton in particular on those first two drives was a guy that really stood out to me. Uh, he, He was playing really well against the run. He had that gap integrity that they were talking about. It's something where a guy like Todd Grantham said, and like you said, Gray is dynamic. He can see a hole and he can go. Uh, He can make you miss. That integrity is going to be crucial.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, you talk about that first drive. I believe in Kentucky... They didn't have too much of an issue driving down the field, but it was the Gators' defense that ultimately stepped up to the plate. I believe Kentucky went for it on that fourth down. They were deep into Gator territory, or a little deep-ish into Gator territory, where they didn't want to kick a field goal, they didn't want to punt. It was kind of in that weird zone, and obviously the Gators stood up and they played very well. And I believe that that's when Kentucky had to punt. So if if you're going to play like that to open up the game, that's fine. You as long as you get that stop where when you need it, but. It didn't seem as though they were dominant in terms of being able to do that consistently. I know that TJ Slayton did have those two tackles for a loss. I remember writing that down. That was the same drive, I believe, that Brenton Cox got in there for the sack. I think Zach Carter got in for a sack. Uh, it, it was great. It was a great uh, defensive drive near the end. But just to, to start it out, you got to be able to have that. So I'm just going to be interested to see it. You know, we haven't seen the Florida Gators defense play a complete game yet. And we're used to for, the Florida Gators at least dominating one game of the season, where it's just there's no there were there was no chance for the other the opposing offense at all. But we just haven't really seen it. You know, even Vanderbilt was able to get down there. You know, Kentucky, Arkansas. You know, all these teams that the Gators are supposed to dominate, they just couldn't do it. So let's let's see what's going to happen. And um, I'm interested to I'm interested to hear what Todd Grantham's going to have to say for his defense next week.
0: As we said at the start of the show, Tennessee is really just not a rivalry with Florida anymore at this point. It's just it's one sided. Uh, But Florida fans, I'm sure, given the beef between the two fan bases, would feel very, very good if this were the game. They came out and had that defensive performance, something that we'd certainly look forward to as well. As we've been critical of the defense throughout the year, we want to see that start to finish just great game. And this does present that opportunity, so we're looking forward to seeing if it'll come to fruition. And that will just about do it for today's episode of Locked on Gators. If you haven't already, make sure to go and subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes and listen to the show anywhere you can listen to podcasts. As I said earlier, you can follow us on Twitter, myself at Zach underscore Goodall, Demetrius at Demetrius82. And most importantly, so you'll never miss an episode, go follow at Locked on Gators. We'll catch up with you guys next time.